Um, Apologise for being late. I'll be honest with you. I was watching a YouTube video on how to make the four horse meals of the egg porkalypse from uh, Parks and Rec, and I lost track of time. I think I got two, two or three of them down. <laughs> then realised it was bang on nine. It was like shit. Um, so my bad there. I apologise. <laughs> You guys are making a podcast. Ugh, no one asked for this. So welcome to the podcast nobody asked for with me, Ian Harris. And me, Graham Jones. And this is the podcast where we argue about our top three list of a topic that nobody asked us to talk about. And this week we are figuring out our top three tropes we want to see gone from cinema. Because it is uh, this is episode one hundred and one. It's a room one hundred and one thing. I could have explained that better. Do you want to give it a go? Uh, no, there's not much else to say. Uh, I mean, unless you say the movie tropes we'd like to see disappear into room one hundred and one. Oh yeah, true, true. But like, it, it's you know, depending who you are, this is either a book reference or a TV show reference. This is true, yeah. The book reference doesn't kind of hold up quite as good, because in 1984, Room 101 was, like, somewhere you... It was kind of like the opposite of the Room of Requirement in Harry Potter, because it was... You went there, and it was, like, your deepest, darkest fears that would um, torture you to break you. Even though it was owned by the Ministry of Love. Ministry of Love. There is 100% a funk band made of MPs called the Ministry of Love. <laughs> I hope so. Like, a hundred percent. Or, or like, it is the only cross-party thing in America currently, is the <laughs> Ministry of Love. Have you seen, completely off-topic, as per usual, um, have you seen the speech that's been doing the rounds of, um, uh, fuck, what's his name? Health Secretary that got off with Zaid or went to the jungle. Matt Hancock. Oh, Matt Hancock, yeah. Have you, have you seen the video of him talking to people about um, how he's no longer an MP, he's just a normal human being now, but says it as if he's an alien in disguise? It's amazing. Well, as discussed on this podcast, Matt Hancock is clearly the thing. <laughs> True. I loathe that man yeah. with every fibre of my being. He is everything that... He is a caricature... Of a bastard, basically. Mm. Yeah, like, yeah. He's he's probably what like if Paul Whitehouse is playing a Tory MP back in the like early two thousands, and they would tell him to tone it down. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. Matt Hancock is the reason we don't have more the thick of it. This is this is true. Him and Boris Johnson. Yeah, or him and Boris, but also yeah. fuck Matt Hancock. Fuck Matt Hancock. But anyway, back to the thing. Yeah. Ministry of Funk, Ministry of no Ministry of Love, Ministry of Funk would be fantastic, but we are not in a we are not in a society where we are so far from having a Ministry of Funk because everything else is shit. Um, you could only have a Ministry of Funk if like everything was going really really well, and they were like, you know what, we need a bit more of. We need some funk. Yeah, how how the Tories got their groove back. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Yeah, the, I guess in the context of the book, it's maybe not quite... Because I don't know if we could send a trope to be tortured by its most deepest, darkest uh, fears. Which, weirdly, 
in the book is it's just rats for the the main character in um would, would the fear of a trope just be good writing um so you go super meta and it turns out in room 101 in 1984 is just a copy of 1984 and then it just keeps going just, which then then becomes a fourth wall break thing, which is now slowly becoming its own trope that everyone is doing. Yeah, George Orwell's just sat there writing, writing you out of existence. Uh, possibly. I don't know. But I think in the context of this uh, hour and a half of regularly scheduled programming, we're probably talking about the, uh, the TV show. Yeah. Are you <laughs> Team Frank Skinner or Team Jasper Carrot? It was Paul Merton, wasn't it? Was it Paul Merton? I think it was Paul Merton. It was Paul Merton. Did Jasper Carrot ever do it, or am I just imagining Jasper Carrot? Time to Google. I don't know. All I know that Jasper Carrot did it is Golden Balls. He did do, um, yeah, Golden Balls. He did cover. He had a weird. He had like a stand-up TV show on Channel Four in like the early two thousands. Um, Jasper, Jasper Carrot OBE Canned Carrot That's what it was the, Oh, the 90s 1990 to 1995 I cannot see Room 101 on there I cannot either No, I think uh, I think you're right And yes, it was Paul Merton Are you To, to correct myself Are you, are you Team Merton or Team uh, Skinner? Uh, uh, Merton I don't think I've watched any of the Frank Skinner stuff No? To the point where I was convinced it was Rod Gilbert. Oh, really? Because I think Rod Gilbert does a very similar show now about, like, pet hate. Okay. Oh, no, uh, Rod Gilbert's Growing Pains, where celebrity guests try to convince to Rod that their teenage years were the most embarrassing. So you're yeah. still kind of talking about embarrassing shit, but uh, a different a different source of entry. Interesting. Anyway, Paul um, Merton. Paul Merton. I think the Paul Merton version was better because it used to be one celebrity, right? Yes. Who brought yeah. in their stuff, whereas the Frank Skinner version is there's three celebrities, there's a topic, each of them present their thing and only one of them gets to go into Room 101. Yeah, so I think Paul Merton was, you just bring shit you don't like and he chooses if it's going to go in or not. If it's going to go in or not, yeah. Yeah. One thing I did see the other day, which I'd forgot about, was, uh, have I got news for you? Where an MP refused, I think it was an MP refused to go on, so instead they had a tub of lard. <laughs> which, I missed that one. Yeah, which I could, uh, I could, I could respect. But yeah, so Paul Merton. So obvious question, which I think we've already asked each other what we'd put in room one hundred and one. I can't remember why. No, I'm not entirely sure. We probably did, and these are probably going to be completely different answers. Probably. Um. Yeah, I have no idea why we talked about Room 101. I tell you why it was, because um, I had 1984 as a choice on an episode. You had, uh, you didn't have 1984. You specifically had, I think, Oceana. Oh, as yeah, as where te- it's technically. Somewhere we could live? No, it was technically winning the World Cup. Yes. Because yes, they yeah. would have told everyone they have told that everyone they'd won the, the World, World Cup. Cup. Yeah. And then we would hilarious have talked about what stuff we would put in Room 101. And I'm yeah. still not particularly sure the answer. Or or an uh, uh, answer that makes me... Um... I could tell you the first prop that you would bring in. as If you were on the Paul Merton one, right? And they used to yeah. do... The prop would come up and that would resemble what they were putting into Room 101, yeah? Okay. I guarantee you that your first one would be 
a printed out copy of your reply from your MP. <laughs> yes, it would be. Because my fucking MP... No, that narrows down where I live a lot, but fuck it. My local MP is Quasi Quateng, and that man is a cunt. <laughs> I, I don't think that's libelous, because libelous has to be a lie. Yeah. Um... Yeah. And he gave me a fucking... I, I sent... An email that was on the cusp of no longer being passive-aggressive. I hold my hands up at that. And his response was a stock copy-and-pasted fucking answer about mortgages. Yeah. To be fair, the question was about mortgages. It wasn't really left-field. Well, it would be right-field for him. But... I did, yeah, but again, I think, like I said to you, like, I would, I would have I'd have respected the man more if he did go left-field. Like, oh, yeah. Or if he like rose to the bait. It was like, look, Ian, you know, fuck you. Like, fine, at least you've so, got some personality quasi. For, for, for a bit of context for people, I am going to be spending the next couple of months mentally preparing myself and lubing up for what mortgage rates are going to be doing to me. <laughs> I decided to email Quasi Quateng about what the government was going to be doing about this, and I opened the email with, my name is Ian Harries, and I begrudgingly find myself one of your constituents. <laughs> but there's something along the lines of but one of the few benefits of this is it means that I can directly contact you because I hold you and the government responsible for what is happening was, which, I was quite, uh, which I was quite pleased with it was good, it was punchy, it was to the point it was punchy I liked to the it. point I, I quoted some of the abhorrent things Rishi Sunak said because it's our fault for being on fixed rate mortgages apparently it is, yeah Yeah. what a lovely man, but you know maybe I just need to lay off the avocado toast and shit but <laughs> yes, alright, done Item one, my fucking printed out email from Quasi Quateng. What about yours? What would yours first one be? I mean, your, uh, your it would be a, a Luton jersey, surely. 100%. Yeah. 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 yeah no we, further. We, no, no further. We, we don't need to talk about the scum from up the M1. Yeah, you're not London, Luton Airport. You're not London. I know you're not talking about the airport, but that fucking riles me up. Oh, yeah, but also, nor is Stansted, nor is Gatwick. Heathrow, barely. Heathrow, barely. Like, pretty much City Airport is the only one in London. Yeah. And it's the one that no one goes to. Yeah. (laughs) I would struggle to locate City on a map. Uh, It's right near XL. Yeah, I mean, I'd look for a runway. Like, I could figure it out. Give me enough time. Second choice would be um, a picture of Jennifer Lawrence. Right. But to represent people whose entire personality is based on them not being like other people. <laughs> that fucks me off. So I'm not like other men. It's like, that's not your personality though, is it? You're you're taking like steps to foster this kind of image, and I hate it. And Jennifer Lawrence is awful for it. And I listened to a couple of interviews with her recently, and she's also really boring. She has the energy of you know when you're at a like You've gone to a party with a friend, but you don't really know anybody else there. Yeah. And you're trying to make small talk, and you get talking to someone who also doesn't want to be there, and they answer every question you say with, like, a full stop. Yeah. Like, she comes across as that in interviews a lot, or she is trying to be all, oh, I'm different. I'm not like other girls. (laughs) And it's not just Jennifer Lawrence. There's a lot of cunts who do this. I would say cunt a lot today. You as are, you brought, as, as soon as you mentioned Quasi, I've, I've, I've cunted, I've, I've cunted up. I've rolled, I've rolled the beast. 
Ugh. But yeah, Jennifer Lawrence second. Well, not Jennifer Lawrence. Those that the the people symbolised by Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, that's fair. Second for you. Second for me uh, would be I it I social media. All of social yeah. media can get in the bin. Yeah, that's fair. But also, could you all please retweet and share <laughs> subscribe, like everything share that we post. Patreon yeah. doesn't count as social media, to be fair. No, that's that's social income. <laughs> yeah, hell, hell of a flex and independent self-finance podcast. <laughs> swearing off of it. social media. Yeah, but then it, it, it's it's kind of... I think that's the thing that I hate about it so much, is that it's a necessary evil. It took me ages to get rid of Facebook because I had to have it for work. I weaned myself off Twitter... But was doing podcast stuff on it, and then just couldn't bear to have Twitter anymore. So deleted all of my Twitter, and then Instagram's kind of like the last one standing. But the app has gone, so I only check it if I actively go to it via the web. You, you are probably the youngest person who checks Instagram on the actual desktop. Probably. Well, no, it's not on the desk. It's still on the phone, but on the browser app rather than the okay thing but also yes but yeah also yeah (laughs) i am only on i'm only on facebook because of the rugby team pretty much because i can't i need an account to access that yeah um twitter yeah i pretty much only use the podcast thing on there because at least podcast twitter is quite pleasant you're right podcast i have to i have to actively i'm putting a lot of effort into not doom scrolling shit yeah and then instagram i'm just on instagram because i have very little to do with my life but no i I, instagram's all right but i again i'm still trying to i'm trying to cut out scrolling rather than social media yeah and uh, that's that's a big part of it too and instagram is i would be much more okay with instagram if it was five years ago and Facebook hadn't bought yeah. it. Yeah, so you liked Instagram before it was cool. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then also the one that's becoming probably the most annoying of late is LinkedIn, because people post on LinkedIn like it's Facebook now. Yeah, <laughs> but but we need it. Yeah. I still, I am, and again, the problem, just because I am a massive hypocrite, I my third choice, I think, would be my own hypocrisy. <laughs> Once it's got your algorithm, TikTok's quite fun, and that app is literally scrolling-based. Literally scrolling base. <laughs> so everything I just said, I'm trying to do less of. TikTok yeah. is solely an app based around that. But I am trying. I'm trying to uh, not hang out. Weirdly, it's a good place for, like movie news. Yeah, it's an interesting. What I was reading, there's a lot of interesting theories around how um, it's kind of a big social engineering thing from the Chinese to just mm. try and make the West really dumb and disassociated from the world. Did you Did you see that on TikTok? <laughs> surprisingly no it is hypocrite your own hypocrisy is number three i you? think it, i think i think it has to be and we because... can't delve any deeper because this isn't a therapy session <laughs> no exactly exactly <laughs> um and also it's funnier than anything else i could think of right now nice your third your third choice my third choice would be it's a toss-up between either um like the kind of fanatical politics of the 21st century so like the populism and all of that kind of stuff that's not funny or 
You know the new caps that they've put on top of the Coke bottles? Oh, fuck those! <laughs> like, the f- I didn't realise because I we, clearly we didn't had get... this conversation. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get the memo, so I yeah. just thought I kept having faulty fucking bottles. Yeah. But now you have to be, like, scratched by your bottle top whilst you're having a drink. Yeah, fuck that! Yeah. So, whilst let's getting rid of populism stuff might be better for the world in general, I think Coke bo- new Coke bottles are going in. We have to pick and choose our battles. Yeah. And I don't know. I just think with all of the stuff that as a society we could be doing for climate change and all of that, this is the bare minimum. <laughs> the literal bare minimum minimum that Coke could possibly do. Yeah. Ah. Uh, fuckers. Well, that's it. That's an episode of Rude I Wonder. Yep. That's nice. If I could remember the theme music, I'd try and hum it now, much like my... Uh... It's room... <laughs> room 101. I just, I, I thought you were going into It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like Room 101. <laughs> Everywhere we go, etc. Mm. So movie tropes. I don't think we have to explain them. Celebrity podcasts. That's a bonus one in Room 101 because... More fuck those guys. They've got high-paying jobs that everyone listens to anyway. Anyway, yeah, fuck them. <laughs> they're the they're, 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 we're we're all just dwelling here in the shade of fucking Acaster and uh, Ed Gamble. Yeah, and Joe Rogan. Fucking Joe Rogan. Ugh. Sorry, Joe Rogan. Trips. Joe Joe Rogan. I would count in the same thing as the Jennifer Lawrence thing. Uh, ooh, he I seems mean, to be, oh, I'm not like normal people. I'm yeah, actually. yeah. Fair, but also very unfair on Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> putting her oh, in the same yeah. camp as Joe Rogan. To be Rogan. fair, it was, it was a broad, <laughs> a broad uh, umbrella. Um, so movie tropes. <laughs> movie tropes. Movie tropes are things. Things, they are. In, in go-to things in films. Yeah. That. Yeah. If we, if we consult the Oxford English dictionary in uh it defines a trope as a significant or recurrent theme a motif so one an example of this if i'm assuming you haven't changed your choices no is the ticking clock the ticking clock which was going to be one of my choices and then i read a list of films that contained a ticking clock and it was like back to the future aliens it's like i can't I can't pick this. This will be torn apart. But what I really wanted to say was that Geostorm at one point has two separate ticking clocks running at the same time. <laughs> I mean, 24 was a TV series based around a ticking yeah. clock. Yeah, so it, it is It is the idea that the thing driving the plot forward is a ticking clock towards an event. Yeah. And a load of films on TV shows have that as something that they're basing their plot on. Yeah. An example of a trope. Ding. <laughs> um, so yeah, the idea is we are going to pick tropes that we want to see gone from cinema, whether they're because they are overused, the fact we don't like them, or that they're just lazy and shit. Mm. Yeah. Do you think we have any? Uh, if, if if you were if someone was to say in, what do you think? Uh, some of the key tropes from the podcast nobody asked for. <laughs> Tangents. Tan- tangents are there, yeah. Tan- tangents are trope. Jingles. Tangents, jingles. The fact that we veer from being a podcast to almost being like a fucking 
Is it called like Zoo Radio? Zoo Radio, what like giraffes listen to? No, I I can't remember why I know that term. It was on a TV show, but like um um oh fuck, uh, who are the radio DJs in Parks and Rec? Something in the Douche. Oh yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah, yeah, like that. Okay, we 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 veer wildly between the two. <laughs> Which then I just need to put like a horn sound effect in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one. There's two in The Simpsons as well, isn't there? Who I can yes. I think I'm pretty sure there is. Yeah, and then then uh, the guy who voices Homer is the boring radio DJ in Parks and Rec. Oh really? Oh yeah, yeah the he late, is the late yeah, night yeah. jazz guy. Yeah, yeah. Who just talks like this the whole time. Fran. And what does Fran? <laughs> anyway, enough enough talk of tropes. Let's do something, you know, really original and uh, look for a movie recommendation that nobody's asked for. I, uh, I assume you guys are here for a movie recommendation. No, thank you. Nah. I'm fine. Nah, I'm fine. Uh, I'm alright actually, thanks. Nah, no, it's alright. No, I'm, right. I'm fine. Yeah, that's alright. Fuck off. Nice. So, I you have a choice here, Graham. Oh. Do you want do you want my this, choice? This, this is somewhat a trope as well. We like a choose yeah. your own adventure. We do like a choose your own adventure. Do you want my choice? Yeah. Or what chat GPT said? Um Do you know what? I'm I'm gonna stand with the striking men and women of uh, of Hollywood and say boo to AI and say let's go with some real independent thought from a creative and wonderful mind um, so do you have anyone other than yourself that can give us a choice <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I, I could go see what the part is doing um, I'm kidding Ian I want to hear from you and your wonderful your beautiful mind funny man so I thought Originally, I tried to think of what the most generic movie was. Okay. Like, the most average generic movie possible. And then I just kind of thought, like, how about instead of that, we'll pick a film that... I'll tell you what the most average movie is. It's Bill and Ted 3. (laughs) To understand that reference, please just talk to either of us at any point in the last couple of years. Or listen to our Patreon episode. (laughs) So, instead, I thought, instead of going for that i went for a film which just has a load of tropes in because okay. it is it is sending them up so this is a parody movie of action films that goes out of its way to include and parody as many of these stupid uh, tropes yes. as it can which includes like never reloading and the faceless henchman kind of constantly reappearing and, and things like that so this is what, I've mentioned this before because it's one of, I think, my most watched films, weirdly. Uh, it is 1993's Hot Shots Part Deux. Oh, no, I, w- I was expecting Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder is also a good one, but for a sheer rate of tropes, yeah. Hot Shots Part Deux is, uh, I, I, I think, has more, more tropes per minute than Tropic okay. Thunder does. Fair. And I just think it's great. I don't think enough people have watched it. I think it is a great and stupid comedy movie that ends up with a lightsaber duel between the president of America and Saddam Hussein. Excellent. As you do. What more could you want? Exactly. Nothing. But yeah, so for for sheer trope examples, 
and trope play, if you will. Hot shots part deux. <laughs> trope play sounds like a sex thing. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> oh, we have a jingle for that too. That could be a disgusting sex act. I'm suddenly very aware my dad listens to this podcast. <laughs> nice. Uh, um, <laughs> if if you're not into trope play, any other movies that you could uh, could recommend? It sounds more and more like a sex act every time we say it. <laughs> um, so, oh, fucking hell. Uh, so, I, you completely, my brain imploded there because I um, suddenly heard trope play for all of its uh, <laughs> sexual meaning. So I completely missed the uh, the segue that you set up there for me. So instead, I'm just going to say we should watch Midsummer. Nice. You should maybe do a, the spit take with some peppermint tea. <laughs> well, that is an integral part of the trope play. Um, Midsummer, you say? Midsummer. Everyone should watch Midsummer. Midsummer is a fucking brilliant film. Sure, it probably has some tropes in it. I would say it's pretty because of how unique it is. I'd say it's fairly tropeless. I, th- it would have very broad ones, like outsiders coming to a community kind of thing. Yeah, but, but nothing... that's—is that a trope or is that just kind of like a plot? Like, where are we? Where are we blurring the lines? Exactly. Where? Where? Where is the line drawn? But, where uh, is yeah, the I... line between? Trope play and plot play. If if hot it's shots, the perineum, is... Ian. That's the line. <laughs> the trope perineum. <laughs> yeah. So if if hot shots trope per minute is one end of the spectrum, yeah. midsummer is probably the other. Yeah. And then the perineum is Bill and Ted face the music. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> and on that note. It is time for us to talk about our top three tropes we want to see gone from cinema. The first choice is yours. <laughs> it is. Uh, where do we go? I'm going to start with a with a. Um, sorry, I'm just just have a look at a few things. Um, mainly the list that I sent you with the answers on it. Not the answers, the choices. <laughs> the answers is very. Uh, yeah, someone's someone's full of themselves. <laughs> yeah, that's very presumptive, isn't it? Um, okay, I'm going to go with this one, right? Um, so this is in probably at least every rom-com, and then I would also say in probably about 50% of other movies as well. And I believe... Let me just check which one it was. Time um, to Google. No, is it that one? Okay, maybe I misremembered it. Um, I thought it was the, it was literally on the poster to No Strings Attached, the movie that's exactly the same as Friends of Benefits that came out of the same year, uh, just with two different actors. Anyway, my point being, the the trope is, and as I say, it is in every rom com, is that whenever two or more characters have finished with their trope play sorry have finished a sex scene one or both of them tends to get out of bed and they are miraculously wearing a completely clean white sheet that has not been attached to the bed or to the covers or to anything but somehow is there sometimes there's two of them um to cover themselves as they walk to the bathroom it's just you're looking very confused, Ian. Are you okay? Yeah, 
I know the poster you're talking about. It is no strings attached. It is, yeah. But they're they're getting dressed yeah, yeah. rather than the. Uh... It's close enough. It's close enough. Sorry, I was, just, I was just like, is it? Maybe he's thinking of going the distance or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just one of those most ridiculous. Like, it's so, it's such an unbelievable thing. Ooh, we get it, Graham. You're confident in your body. <laughs> but even if you're not, I that's myself. Not- that's not the way you do it. I wrap myself in a duvet during. <laughs> I, you I, just I, do like simulate being a, a caterpillar in a cocoon. Yeah, I'm. I'm a never nude. What can I say? <laughs> I have. I have a duvet. I cut a hole in the duvet so that nobody has to see my shame. Oh. <laughs> is that that thrown you? Is it? Is it? Is it just the comments, or is it the mental image you're now being oh, it's, forced it's to think absolutely about? Absolutely, the mental image. And I'm also, <laughs> I'm also debating if you have like, where's the stuffing going? Because there's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that there's movement at least. So like, I'm just picturing feathers flying up in the air. Yeah, well, you've got to get down. Nice, nice. nice. That was. I'm quite pleased with that. To be fair. It nearly it it nearly made the horrible mental image for you worth it. It did, um, and don't take this the wrong way because it sounds awful. But that was very quick for you, Ian. Thanks. <laughs> That's usually what I hear from the other side of the duvet as well. <laughs> I mean, we've just gone full on self roasting. Just full on. Why Which not? is also what you do sometimes if you're on your own with the duvet. <laughs> Well, it's, you've got to warm yourself up for trope play sometimes. <laughs> anyway, sorry, we anyway. were talking about how um, you're confident with your self-image, I believe, where that's, ironically, me saying that ended up with me masturbating alone in a caterpillar duvet with a hole cut in it. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel about that? As we've already said on this episode, this isn't a therapy session. Great, let's move on. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It, it's just one of those things, and it has always bugged me. And it happens pretty much. And maybe there, I, I can only assume there's like something with like intimacy coordinators and like the rules around how these things are shown. But it just doesn't make sense. I don't. I don't think it's an intimacy coordinator thing. I think it's a certificate thing. Possibly, yeah. So I, 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 I would say if you want to get, because there are weird fucking, well, yeah, there are weird. Um, <laughs> We've been through that. Yeah, there, there are weird caveats to what you can show and can't show, and the certificate, certificate it gets. Yeah. Like, uh, showing someone going down on a woman will get you a higher certificate than start showing someone going down on a man. Yeah. And it, it just doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Yeah, fucking sense. Um, hey. Yeah, no... That's it, why, it, that's it, why it um, well Don't be. Worry Darling's certificate was high. Right. Um, but yeah, sorry, cut you off there. Anyway, yeah, wrapping yourself in a duvet. No, but, it, and it could, yeah, but it's not, that's the thing. Like, nine times out of ten, it's not even a duvet. It's a new sheet that's just appeared. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Plus, like... There is no way to gracefully walk wrapped in a duvet. No. Or a sheet. No, not at all. Unless, yeah, unless, unless you take the time to toga it. You could toga it, yeah. But, that's, but that, that feels like you'd be doing that pre, pre-trope pre play. Yeah, true, true. The toga is an important part of it. It's Yeah, it, it's it's always... A, ironically, it takes you out of it. 
<laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. I I'm sure that I feel like maybe there's a, a level of laziness as well. Like there's a there's more creative ways of shooting that than just saying, oh yeah, wrap yourself in this. This I'm not saying that you know we need we need butts everywhere. We don't need butts everywhere, and you know people could hide their modesty and and hide their butts, but <laughs> um, <laughs> like think of a better like think of a more a better way to if it's a rom com like have some funny placed objects that you know obscure their their modesty. So the Austin Powers, the Austin Powers, the Austin Powers, yeah, the. Yeah, plus, like, nicking someone's duvet is rude. Yeah! If someone's still in bed, leave them the duvet. That's where the duvet lives. But again, actually, back to the point, is that that doesn't happen. Because it's an extra It's an extra thing. The duvet's still on the bed. Or At sometimes dressing... they've both taken them, and then there's still a duvet on the bed. Dressing so gowns. It's, a, it's, a, it's a bad Tommy Cooper magic trick. <laughs> yeah, dressing gowns absolutely solves the problem. Yeah, we're now sponsored by Big Dressing Gown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... I get you. I get you. Or, or well, ironically, the movie poster you thought showed this actually shows you a more realistic version of it. Yes. <coughs> it absolutely <coughs> does. You you pick up the first mm-hmm. item of clothing you grab hold of and you hope it's yours. Exactly. That's And that works a lot better. Generally, for me, the choice is either... My clothes, or clothes which will not fit me. It's it's happened, right? Yep. For, for, yep. It's I, happened. I actually this, I'll hold you, my hands up to it. You've 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 um you've broken a, a broken a memory. Is that the right thing? No, you say you've broken a dream. You've you've unlocked a memory. Um, I remember being at university, and I was in halls with um like shared bathrooms. Mm. And I remember going to the toilet, like, I don't know, say, probably about one o'clock in the morning or something. And as I was coming out, there was a guy coming in who wasn't from my halls um, and was wearing what I can only assume was just this tiny pink dressing gown um, of his uh, clear, uh, his trope play friend. um, (laughs) And was just kind of looked at me, I was like, all right. I was like, "Are you?" Yep. Okay. But that's that's much more realistic. Yeah, and, it, and it's a source of comedy in a rubcom. Exactly. It so works. yeah, um, I I just think it's it's ridiculous and it's 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 far too used across cinema, TV, and yeah, everything that's not real. There is no particular. <laughs> order through this. All I know is the one that I'm doing last, because I am hoping to hear back from an A&E doctor. <laughs> which uh, is a fun thing to say, but I just need my friend to uh, ho- hope they get back to her in time. So I'm not going to pick that one first, because that is... Uh, there is no... The go-to phrase there is too on the nose, so I'm not going to say it. Nice. So instead, I'm going to pick something else. So... The first one that came to mind for this isn't actually a movie trope. I feel like you may have fallen down at the first hurdle here. Yes. It is a movie trailer trope. Mm-hmm. And this is the fact that every single fucking trailer currently seems to have 
a slowed down acoustic cover of something on it. Yeah, I also wouldn't even say currently. I'd say probably for the last 18 months. So, that's interesting. Because I thought I knew when this started. Okay. So, I the first one that I could think of was uh, Age of Ultron. Uh, where... No Strings to Hold Me Down, that one? Yeah. And it's... But that's... I guess that's not really an acoustic... That's kind of like a, just a creepy version of a yeah oh yeah yeah but i'm count i'm just slow slowed down okay creepy acoustic whatever version of a song yeah so they they had that and i thought that was the first one a trailer i read from polygon polygon first of all refers to this as trailer core music which i have a lot a lot of time for trailer core is either this or it's like punk in a trailer park yeah yeah (laughs) Pretty much, like rockabilly kind of stuff. Yeah. So, trailer core in this. If we're going for a film, it seems to be a film we talked about the other day in a brewery, which we won't talk about in detail, but The Social Network. (laughs) So, The Social Network had uh, a slowed version of Creep by Radiohead. Okay. Which is a fairly slow song in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah, so it was like a, I think it was like a choir remix thing of it. Okay. But they also mentioned that Possibly the first time this was properly done was in 2001 with a video game trailer. Okay. Any guesses? 2001. Metal Gear Solid 2? It became a Christmas number one. Oh, Mad World. Yeah, so the Gears of War trailer oh. had a slowed, a, a slowed, a, a slower version of Mad World, which is interesting. But there's a load of fucking examples of it. So, Mad Max Fury Road had a trailer that had a different version of Wild World by Cat Stevens. Birdman or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance had a slowed down version of Crazy by Niles Barkley. Fifty Shades of Grey had a slowed version of Crazy in Love. Tomb Raider had Survivor. Maleficent released Once Upon a Dream as a really fucking creepy version of it. The Blair Witch, Every Breath You Take. <laughs> Is that the remake? Yes. Yeah, so that's the one that I'm fairly sure became a Blair Witch movie with about like six weeks to go. Right. Suicide Squad had I Started a Joke. The Gallows had Smells Like Teen Spirit, okay. which is interesting. Uh, Wrath of the Titans had Sweet uh, sweet Dreams Are Made of These, Girl on the Train and Heartless. There's... Sweet Caroline. Oh, 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 oh. But yeah, like there are so many fucking examples of it. And it used to be like, oh, this is interesting. And now it is just, oh, for fuck's sake, again. So I think, so I'm, I'm going to say I don't mind this. I actually quite like it. But I also make a point of not watching trailers. So I kind of tend to get to these on, like, the movie soundtracks. Interesting. And it doesn't... Because I guess it's just happening as part of listening to the... I, I'm, I'm big on... I love listening to a soundtrack after seeing a film. Um, and, um, yeah, I think because maybe because I'm not seeing trailers all that often because I try to actively avoid them. I'm not maybe seeing it as much. Yeah, I... Uh, and some of these are good. They're good songs. They're... The novelty has worn off for me. I, I think that's the problem, is it was a really interesting idea. And, like like you said, some of the songs are fucking great. But 
I just don't need another one. Like it, it, it just it it's got to the point where because so many things are doing it, it now just feels lazy. Yeah, I, I I I get that, and as I say, I think I'm probably maybe one step removed from it, which is why it doesn't bother me as much. But I do I like I love a cover, like I love a cover. Oh, don't get me wrong, Lo- love a good cover, and like you said, I I like these songs in a vacuum. Yeah, well, obviously just... you can't hear them because the sound. Hey. Well, in space, no one can hear your trailer core. <laughs> or trope play. But yeah, it, it's just... Yeah, I like the songs in a vacuum, but it just kind of... It, it's got to the point now where it, it takes me a little bit out of it. It's just like, okay. I see what they're... I see what they're... It, it's maybe... It's because it has the energy of... Uh, like, see what we've done? Aren't we clever? Hey, eh? Get it? Because yeah. it's... Uh, it's sweet child of mine, but we've slowed it right down. I guess for me, and this is the reason I don't watch, really try and watch, try and avoid trailers now. Is like the, actually the worst trope in trailers for me is showing the entire plot of a film. Oh, that can fuck off too. <laughs> I I have I don't count that as a trope though. That's just shit. It is just shit. I agree. Well, I I had um, uh, they started giving away like cameos. So like the, the yeah. I, I'll ruin I'll ruin the Flash happily because fuck it. Um, <laughs> the Nicolas Cage cameo in the Flash was ruined by the director. Hey, really? Yeah, and it's like okay, if you hadn't told anyone that, that would have been a really cool moment. But instead, yeah. you've blown it up, and it's now doesn't have the same impact. Um, something for the Barbie movie got ruined for me the other day that I am distraught about because just it's happening while you're watching the film, would have been so much better than knowing it's going to be kind of happen. That would have been a good slowed down acoustic cover for a... Like Barbie yes, Girl would. by Aqua. Do I do I record a slowed down acoustic version <laughs> of Barbie Girl and have it at the end? Yes. I think I might have to. I think you have to. I was in a band that covered Barbie Girl once. Nice. We did a punk version of it and I did the backing vocals, which was a lot of... <laughs> kind of shit. Nothing yeah. came out then, Ian. Oh, uh, it's, I'm very aware it's it's 10 p.m. and I share a wall with next door's bedroom, and they don't need to hear a man who uh, apparently now looks like Charles Manson singing the backing vocals to Barbie Girl when there's no music playing. But yeah, it's um, I I do like the songs. I just don't feel like they land the same way they used to, and I think we need a break from it. Fair. That's my point. Um, I am going to go with uh, my second choice being the... So I think when I texted you, I said, like, over-the-top exposition, right? And I think exposition is important in cinema because you need to know what is driving the story and you're constrained, unless you're, like, Christopher Nolan, you're typically constrained to, like an hour to two hours to, to kind of tell that story. So obviously you need elements of, of exposition. But I think it's just the the blatantly shitty exposition that typically is when it's delivered in dialogue. Yes. To be like, look at this thing that's happening and how this is really... It just makes it... I think the thing that I find most annoying about it is it just feels insulting that there's no trust that the audience can kind of work out what the fuck's going on without one of the characters literally having to say it 
and yeah, it bugs me. And it, it can be like exposition. I was I was looking for I was I was looking for bad examples of it, and came across an interesting article, Medium, that talks about movies that actually got exposition really right. And it makes a good point because there is instances where it is really good. So one of the uh, a few examples, um, the Mister DNA sequence in Jurassic Park, nice, is a really good example of like an intelligent way to do it because the people that are going to Jurassic Park need to know what the fuck's going on, right? The beginning of Up? Yeah. Is it's a, done without a, without a line of dialogue and you already fully understand the characters. Yeah. In The Matrix, Morpheus tells Neo that he can't explain what The Matrix is. He has to see it for himself. And then you get the high, kind of like demo of The Matrix, woman with the red dress, all of that kind of stuff. It was, it was done well. The... Um, one that apparently is like used as some of the best examples just ever is in episode three of The Wire when yeah. they're explaining the Barksdale's operation using chess pieces. Nice. But these are just all really like great ways of kind of, you know, of weaving it into the plot and to the story and explaining stuff without kind of really being over the top and obvious. And then you get to, like, the Star Wars prequels. Master Qui-Gon, Master Yoda mentioned midichlorians. I'm wondering, what are midichlorians? I'm glad you asked, Anakin. The, the worst ones are when you're explaining to characters who should know the answer. Yeah. That's that's the one that's always annoying. It's like, why are you telling me this? I I was here with you as well. Yeah. There's a there's a big Hero 6 one that keeps coming up from, from it, and apparently it says... Is the main character and his brother are arguing the older brother asks what would mum and dad say and the main character replies I don't know they died when I was three remember with apparently no uh, reference prior to that that their parents weren't around um, I haven't seen this but this is one that came up quite a lot as well in the next Karate Kid my yeah. name is Julie my mother's name was Susan she was killed in a car accident with my father and they're both dead so stop trying to bring them back <laughs> And then a, a really bad one from the Titanic is, I noticed there aren't enough light boats here on Titanic. Interesting. I watched I watched a list of uh, films that kind of tell you how it ends at the beginning. Right. And they had the Titanic, and it was like all this foreshadowing. It's like you can't foreshadow the Titanic in a film. Everyone knows what's going to happen. And then also a lot of people uh, railed on. Um, Rick Flag in Suicide Squad mm. and apparently there's a bit where he says this is Katana she's got my back she can cut all of you in half with just one sword stroke just like mowing the lawn I advise not getting killed by her her sword traps the souls of its victims thanks thanks Flag <laughs> I was trying I was trying to find um, Wayne's World does a really good piss take of it right where they're trying to figure out about this record executive and they come across a security guard called... Uh, a security guard played by Chris Farley. Yeah. Who just gives them a load of information about this record executive. And then I think it ends with Wayne's, Wayne staring directly at the camera saying, he sure known you a lot of information for a security guard. <laughs> <laughs> but it does. And, and like you said, I think, I think a big thing with all of this is that it's so jarring when it's done badly it immediately takes you out of the film and i think that's the issue with a lot of these tropes right yeah that because uh, well geostorm was horrific for them starts with three minutes of dialogue from a child talking about why these weather satellites exist yeah 
but fuck, I love that film. But yeah, it, it's just when it's done bad, it's awful. Yeah, I think it is. It's the insult to the intelligence, right? Like, yeah. And I think you can go too far the other way, and there are definitely some films that you watch and you're like, I have absolutely no idea what's going on because they assumed we would know too much. But as I said, there are these examples of really good exposition in movies. And yeah, we you just need to not... I think, I think it's... And it goes back to what you were saying in the previous choice with the music, right? A lot of it is just don't be lazy. Yeah. Like, don't write in a piece of really unnatural dialogue to explain something think of a and it goes back to the, the the sheets thing as well right that's that's just the done thing in movies whereas actually there's other ways you could do it like i don't know it's hollywood laziness and i i do worry yeah. i worry that we'll get more of this with if there is a proliferation of creatives being replaced with artificial intelligence yeah yeah definitely and i i th- it is it's it is pure laziness because if you can't if you if the only way to move the plot along or explain something is by having one character just unload on another you i don't think you've i'm very aware i want to write a script at some point so this will come back to bite me but (laughs) you haven't written a very good script unless it's unless it's done like there like you said there are ways around it like the examples you gave before one good thing like having a character that's like the eyes of the audience yeah so like they're new and that's why they're being explained shit like there's a way to do it there's a way to do it properly and then like you said there's a way that feels like you have just written this because you don't know how to tell us this information yeah i i i I completely agree and it's um yeah it's just so annoying and I th- yeah, it's and it's the the insult to my intelligence. I think that gets me the most. There, it was quite yeah. funny. I was looking for like these examples, and I um, there, there was a thread on Reddit where someone had talked about bad exposition. But it wasn't the the first reply wasn't about like how it had been done badly. It was an example of like <laughs> they said. Um, I know it was on Quora. Sorry, it was um, they were comparing the. Um, the Star Wars like uh, intro role yeah. from A New Hope to um, A Phantom Menace, and they were saying how like how A New Hope sets you up for something really interesting because it talks about civil war and everything, and then you get to Phantom Menace and it's all about uh, trade envoys and um, politics and everything that no one gives a shit about and sets it up for a really boring movie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you um does uh, you know what I don't think it would actually I just thought of another trope that really fucks me off that's quite similar saying both sides of the conversation while on a phone in a film yeah which is cut kind of expositiony but not quite yeah no I know what you mean yeah yeah here we go sorry I found the thing so it says um the opening crawl to the original Star Wars talks about it was exciting straight away. Hidden bases, evil empires, rebel spies, secret plans, ultimate weapon, weapons, sinister agents, princesses, starships, all the exciting stuff. We waited years to see the prequels and our first taste was the opening crawl. Taxation, trade routes, trade federations, Congress of the Republic, endless debates. Seriously, how is any of this exciting? Uh, very good point. But then that's another, like actually the, the Star Wars ones are an interesting 
because that is pure exposition, right? But it's done. It's it's done in a way that is actually is is part of the brand. But it's Star Wars is an incredible example of both sides of this. Yeah, this is true. Because New Hope, uh, Obi Wan drops in. Oh, your dad died. Your dad fought in the Clone Wars. They don't explain what that means because you don't have to know. Yeah. Like there's yeah there's a load of stuff that they very or I think a lot of the information is given over in like mission briefings. But then you have the bit of like the the Nicolorian stuff in the Phantom Menace. Yeah. So yeah. But anyway, I hate I hate this kind of exposition. I love the good stuff when it's done badly. It's terrible, and people need to stop being lazy. My next choice. Your next choice. And I, and I still haven't heard back from an A and E doctor. So we're not going to that. We're going to the next one. Um, the NHS uh, waiting times, am I right? Right, right. And this is... Um, weird. Actually, we didn't mention it, but uh, Austin Powers, who we've now mentioned twice and yeah. soon three times, um, has Basil Exposition, whose entire role is to tell the audience what's happening. Which one? Um, Basil in no, Austin. Sorry, which, which Austin Powers? In the first one? One... Two and possibly he's like the M role. Oh right, yeah, with you. Yeah, so yeah, so he is Basil Exposition. Right. What Austin Powers also takes the piss out of in so in Austin Powers Gold Member, uh, Nigel Powers, played by Michael Caine, is attacked by Doctor Evil's help henchman, and proceeds to say, "Look, here's how it goes. You attack me one at a time, and I knock you out with one punch. Okay." Go. <laughs> so my pr- tr- uh, trope is henchmen taking the hero on one at a time, and there's a lot of this on TVTropes.org. This is referred to as mook chivalry. Okay. And apparently, a mook is a uh, poor cannon fodder. There's no fucking reason for it. Like a good, I think a good fight scene is one that disguises that this kind of thing might be happening. Yeah. So, like, the bride versus the crazy 88. Yes. Yeah, but that was that was an example of this that popped up. Yeah, but also I think it is probably... Well, there's there's a level of disguise there because isn't it to do with, like, how, you know, it's it would be dishonourable to kind of all gang up on her at once kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, probably. But, like, it's... Yeah there's just a lot of fight scenes where it makes no sense that they're taking them on one at a time. Uh, there's a couple of examples in like it van uh, Kung Fury does it, but I'm assuming that's kind of taking the piss out of it a little bit. The two towers kind of. Yeah, I would say definitely with the 12 of them just charge out of Helm's deep and yeah. nobody really smacks them, but it's just like, I get, I get it because Obviously, if henchmen were clever enough to just swamp the hero immediately, it would make for a very shitty action film. But like I said, this is, again, I think all of these have the caveat of when it's done badly, it's awful. It'd be like those... Um, have you seen those bees that kill hornets by swarming around them and vibrating their bodies oh! so much that they cook them? They cook them, yeah. Yeah, yeah those are fucking crazy. That's what the orcs should have done at Helm's... Uh, the Iroquois should have done at Helm's Deep. They should have yeah. cooked Legolas by vibrating against him. Maybe that's what goblins need to do. Goblins? To kill Legolas. They're not goblins. Well, they're Uruk High at Helm's Deep, but I thought that like vibrating to overheat someone feels very much like a goblin thing. Yeah, but they're not even goblins. It's orcs. 
There's no goblins in Lord of the Rings. There are goblins in Lord of the Rings. Where? There are goblins in... Uh, there's goblins in... I don't know. There's <laughs> goblins in the Mines of Moria. No, there's not. Yeah, there are. Where? All right. You're that's, that's... You're conf- there's goblins in Harry Potter. There's goblins in The Hobbit. Time to Google. We are the Moria goblins were the orcish inhabitants of Moria's Underdeep. In the movie? Yeah, there were goblins in Moria. Goblins are very similar to orcs. And there's also definitely goblins in Mordor. I do not recall, outside of The Hobbit, there being anything that was referred to as a goblin in the Lord of the Rings movie. So I, I think I think in Lord of the Rings they chucked goblins under like the the orcish banner. But there there are definitely goblins in Lord of the Rings. Okay. This is a weird thing for us to get hooked up on. <laughs> Given, given the weirdness we've talked about, goblins is where we draw the line. That's the one where it's like, I'm not bantering about this, you're wrong. <laughs> they were not goblins in Lord of the Rings. Um, but yeah, like, it, it's... Again, when it's done badly, it completely draws you out of a fight scene because you can't help but think, hang on, why is it just one of them when four of them are standing there watching? Who was very good at disguising that this was happening was Jackie Chan. Yeah. Because I think Jackie Chan recognised that in a lot of Bruce Lee films, it's one at a time. And Jackie Chan seemed to try to make it more of a... He really puts the choreography and fight choreography, right? Like with all of the, ob- the, the props and things like that. So I think he is very, very good at fighting a group of people, but making it look like he's not just taking them on one at a time. Yeah. But yeah, it just doesn't. It never sits right. It it's just there there are far too many subcategories of this and far too many examples to go through all of them. But I know Zorro's got a load. Um, even the old, the very famous old boy corridor fight scene mm-hmm. is a lot of one on one. But to be fair, because the rest of them are recovering from being smashed in the face with a hammer, it's just not great. It needs to be better. Action films need decent fight scenes, and this is not a way to do a decent fight scene. Yeah, I guess the the tricky thing is is just unless you do it, the realistic outcome is that the hero would always lose. So oh, you yeah, need I, to think I, there needs to be a way to do it. Well, it's exactly the same as exposition, right? It's there is a way to yeah. do this and it looked good. And if to be fair, the old boy fight scene is a very good example of it. Because there is a reason occasionally they mob him and he manages to break free. There's a reason they aren't all going at him at one time, because they're all recovering because it's a fucking fight. Well also there's they're in a restricted space as well. Exactly, yeah. I think there's a Batman prison fight as well, which I think was mentioned in one of these lists. Yeah, there is a way to do this, and the idea is, it's this is something that you need to do by the nature of just the story and how filming things like this works. It's about hiding that that's what you're doing, and when this is done badly, it is diabolically bad. I agree. Last choice. Um, sorry, I'm just I. They. According to Screen Rant, uh, they're called Orcs in Lord of the Rings. They're referred to as Goblins in The Hobbit. Even the baddies in The Great Dwarf and Goblin War are called Orcs in Appendix A of Lord of the Rings. In The Lord of the Rings... Oh, fuck, that, that's the book, isn't it? Shit. Fucking Google. 
<laughs> the Lord of the Rings film trilogy. When the Fellowship passes through the abandoned dwarf city of Dwaradelf, Pippin accidentally alerts the goblins to their presence, causing a fight to break out in Barlin's tomb. They're never referred to as goblins. And? And therefore they're not goblins. All right. <laughs> if it if it looks like a goblin, smells like a goblin, and tastes like a goblin, hey, it's an orc. <laughs> In the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> anyway. You know what? I look I look forward to us saying, you know what, it doesn't really matter, but then texting each other <laughs> extracts from things that refer to them as goblins. I'm hunting down my copy of Lord of the Rings as we speak. No. Um there, there were a hundred percent goblins in the Hobbit movie though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely are. And they look completely different to the orcs in the Minds of Mario. Just gonna tell you what, you start reading a thing and I'm just going to Wikipedia Return of the King movie and see if they explain the different factions of uh, Goblin at the or different factions of Orcs at the end of it. So you just do your thing, and I will slowly go quiet because there's no mention of goblins on this Wikipedia. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> right. So the final trope I'm going to talk about is um... I'm still looking <laughs> just in case. Okay. You keep you keep going there. The um. It happens in it's in many TV shows and many movies. I, I I don't know if it's because of how I am as a person being the reason that it bugs me so much because I I I like to plan, I like to be on time, and I like to ensure that you know we're all going. We all know the we all know what's going. We all know what's going on. We know where we're going to be, and we know when we're going to get there. When not necessarily when we're going to leave, but you know. It's planned. We know what's happening and everyone that's meant to be there and has the knowledge. And what I hate in movies and TV shows is when someone says to the other person, see you at eight then. And there's no more. That's it. They might have even just met for the first time and they're going to, and they meet up without any issue later on. But how, how is, how is that enough information for you to rely to even not even reliably meet later how's that enough information for you to leave that interaction without extreme anxiety of not actually seeing that person at the time that you've discussed did it come down for you to this and ordering a beer at a bar <laughs> uh no but that's also a very good point they, they share a lot of dna <laughs> yeah also just i just want to take this moment to officially apologize to you and our listeners because upon checking the fellowship of the ring wikipedia page it says after finding the dwarfs of moria dead the fellowship is attacked by orcs <laughs> and the cave troll so i apologize graham you were correct it looks like there aren't goblins in <laughs> at least the lord of the rings movie also I just got a message from my partner saying, you're talking loud with the window open. So I am now really worried about what our neighbours have heard, given the weird fucking shit we've been talking about before. Excellent. So I'm just going to close the window. <laughs> anyway, goblins. <laughs> goblins. Um, yeah, and perhaps that's why the goblins didn't turn up, because they didn't specify that it was the Mines of Moria. They didn't specify, the, you know, the the correct time but do you know like it 
and I'm assuming with the beer thing, you mean like I'll have a beer and a beer turns up, and it's you know they, yeah. they've not specified what beer. Like if you went into a pub and ordered a beer, you'd be laughed out. Certainly in the UK, I hilariously did once, and they did not find it as funny as I did. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. It just feels so. It's another, and I think there's a common thread, right? It just feels so unrealistic. And I get that there's a level of, you know, admin here that maybe feels unnecessary to screenwriters and perhaps it's the easiest thing to kind of cut out of a um, of a script to kind of shorten down your runtime and stuff. But surely you can just say, like, I'll see you at eight at Sal's. And then we know we're going yeah, to Sal's. it's... It is very, very annoying. I do like... I think they make a joke of it in... The last joke on Friends. Oh, really? Yeah, it's them saying, oh, let's just go for a coffee. Oh, yeah, where should we go? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> that's, actually, that's actually quite good. Yeah. But yeah, it's... I don't know. It, it feels like a robot trying to approximate what human... Like, human interaction is, right? Yeah. Uh, I completely agree. The thing is, do you know, right? Even even if, even there if there were you, goblins in Lord of the Rings, <laughs> even if there were goblins, <laughs> Lord of the Rings, even if you and I are going to a gig, right? Which is a fairly common occurrence. If we're going to a gig, <laughs> and we know where the gig is, right? But I I would not feel comfortable just saying to you, "See you at seven. See you at eight. I. Offered to pick a friend of mine up the other day. Yeah. Because they with had your just, arms or with your car? Uh, a bit of both. Uh, I also just double checked on the off chance there were goblins in two towers and there aren't. Um, <laughs> so he's just moved back from Canada. Yeah. Uh, he's back in with his parents and invited them over to watch Geostorm and Moonfall in a glorious good bad movie double bill. Yeah. And I said I would I would pick them up. Gave them the time, and the drive over to his parents' house was so full of anxiety because all I could think of was, "Hang on, what if they've moved?" <laughs> so, even though I knew where they were, I still could have done with clarification of where I was going. Absolutely, and yeah, I, I'm a hundred percent with you on this. <laughs> it, it makes it feels like they've cut out part of the conversation they don't need to but also a lot of these conversations result in one of them walking out of the room or yeah. hanging up the phone yeah and that's it yeah yeah you're right that's that's where it ends and then you're on to the next thing Ugh. and the other thing is is that if they if these people if if this was a realistic realistic interaction these are the kind of people that I hate to make plans with. Because if someone said to me, I'll meet you at eight, you know for sure they're not going to follow up with any information. You're the one that's going to have to figure out the meeting point. You're the one that's going to have to tell them where it is. You're the one that's going to have to say, actually, we should probably do 7.35, because if we're going here first, then it's going to take us an extra hour to get to the next place. Like, these are the worst kind of people. Yeah, 100%. 100% with you. To the point this conversation is going to be boring. Because it's just me, like, that... <laughs> The guy behind a school bully just cheering you on. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you do it. You stick it to him, right? Cool. Fuck these guys. Well, you know, that's that's it. And so they're my tropes. They're yeah. done. And we'll we'll do your trope, and I'll see you at eight. <laughs> but where? See, you were jo you were joking, and I still I still had to go for it. It's ah uh, yeah, it is. 
again, I think a lot of yours fall into um same with like at least with exposition it is just laziness yeah but yeah fuck them through a duvet through a little duvet hole is your window closed yep nice final choice final choice final choice and unfortunately the A&E doctor has not replied however I do have a message from uh, an anaesthetist yeah. And a physio. So, I've done my research for this one. This is the trope which we will refer to as only a flesh wound. Okay. Uh, but more... The, the, there's a subset of it that annoys me kind of even more. But we'll talk about, like... We'll talk about flesh wounds in general. But the one that really pisses me off is the idea that if your character needs to be injured but not enough, he is shot in the shoulder. <laughs> I'll just read through this exchange. As a physio, just how fucked would someone's shoulder be if they were shot in the shoulder? Disclaimer, I haven't been shot in the shoulder. <laughs> uh, lots of variables to that question. Angle of bullet entry, depth of penetration, <laughs> size of the bullet. If it went between the flesh space between the humerus and scapula, it could take out the auxiliary artery. High shoulder or trap could hit the brachial plexus nerve branches, which would cause further complications. Probably not impending death zone. And I said, so it's more fucked territory than shrugging it off and being mostly all right. And his response was, depends if you're dental Washington or not, which kind of proves the point. The anaesthetist, again, pointed out the idea that there are a number of what they have described as reasonably sized blood vessels in that area. Um, and depending where it goes, it could cause lung issues if it clips close enough to them. Okay. So being shot in the shoulder... You're fucked. You're at least, at the very least, not using that shoulder again that day. Yeah, and also I can imagine, I think as well, like, and I know these action heroes are meant to be, like, toughing out and shit, but, like, you're in extreme pain regardless. You've been shot. Yeah, in the shoulder. Yeah. Like, at the, it's, it's just every single fucking time. So I get shot at the shoulder. There'll be a bit of like, ah, God, ah, oh, it's fine. It's good. Just a bit of like rotation, rotating, and then that's it. I, uh, in, in a similar way, I really dislike the hero's been shot. We think they're dead, but actually it turns out that there was a book or a cigarette packet or a bulletproof vest on that we didn't know about. That 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 is also very annoying <laughs> and also very fucking lazy. Yeah. But... Yeah, this one, this one annoys. <laughs> Sorry, I just got a message from my dad, which we'll come on to in a moment. Okay. The big example of this, and I knew this is what my dad would say as well. So I messaged him, podcast question, what's your go-to example of just a flesh wound in an action movie? His response, Rambo's DIY surgery. <laughs> That's all I could think of in this. There is, in Rambo 3... He gets what can only be described as a small tree, like in basically impaled on a fucking branch. Right. And obviously what he does is cauterizes the wound by shoving gunpowder into it and setting it on fire. <laughs> he, he then proceeds to attack the basically entire Soviet army currently in Afghanistan. Completely fine. Seems legit. Doesn't, doesn't look like he's 
you know, worried at all. And then I think in an earlier film, he does like proper DIY surgery on his arm. And I say, I think in an earlier film, because as you can see, my dad sent me a gif. Nice. <laughs> of just Sylvester Stallone sewing up his arm. But I'm not sure I've ever seen your of... dad use a gif that isn't the uh, Goodfellas laughing meme. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but there's there's a load of examples. So uh, Con Air, um, Poe, I think stabs Cyrus's leg with like a wooden pole. Yeah, and nothing really seems to happen from it. Obviously, throughout the Die Hard film, John McClane is being subjected to a number of things. In confusingly Fast and Furious, which I think is the fourth movie, Dom gets shot by Letty, just digs the bullet out and puts a plaster on it. Okay. Uh, Forrest Gump was shot in the ass, completely fine. Um, injured enough to leave the war, but completely fine. Happy Gilmore, if we want to go comedy. Hit by a car. Yep. (laughs) Proceeds to still finish playing golf. The Hot Shots franchise takes the piss out of it. James Bond is obviously full of it. To talk about a film that I talked uh, on Undrafted with my dad, Last Action Hero incredibly takes the piss out of this when Arnie's character gets shot in the real world. Awkwardly. Lord of the Rings is mentioned there, but I'll skip that because I'm not ready to go back to it. <laughs> the Matrix. We've talked about the Matrix a couple of times. Tank gets shot by like a fucking plasma laser gun thing. Yeah. And then is just a bit charred and makes... This is the noise that everyone does in that situation. It's just like, Ugh. And that's it. That shows <laughs> that they're injured, but they're going to keep going. I don't think you should be writing a screenplay and I think you should be auditioning. Hey, I like that. I like it a lot. It, this flesh wound thing inspired one of the best lines of dialogue in a film. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Ventura uh, is bleeding because he's been shot and proceeds to say, I ain't got time to bleed. Right? Yeah. I mean, you've also got the, the whole kind of, the origins of this in um, Monty Python as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He'll, you should get over there so he can bite your knees off, yeah. I believe. In Taken... Liam Neeson shoots a man's wife in the arm to prove to the dude he means business. That doesn't mean she's not going to be f- okay. That's not a way to just like idly threaten someone. She could still die. Yeah. There's a lot of things that could happen if you shoot somebody in the fucking arm. But again, it is just it's just fucking lazy. And, like, the shoulder one in particular has just become, like, such a trope of, oh, he's been shot in the shoulder, he's fine. But then, obviously, any other character, if you breathe on them, they will die immediately. Yeah. Um, And, again, like, with a lot of the other things we talked about, it's just, it takes you out of the film a little bit. And I I say a little bit because a lot of the time this happens in action films and we 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 suspend our our disbelief a little bit more for those. Um, But it definitely takes you out of the film. And again, there are less lazy ways to do it than by doing this. Like, you need to have repercussions in films to actually feel, I think, to be drawn into them more. If someone's shot in the arm, they have to have a fucking injured arm. Yeah. If someone's shot in the shoulder, they should probably sit down for a bit. Yeah, and it's it's difficult, because it goes back to the similar thing with the... um with the uh, hordes of people attacking an individual, right? 
you have to have a way around it because otherwise the good guy can't come back from anything like this. And it's like it because I always it always used to annoy me that there were so many James Bond movies and James Bond never seemed to get injured or or anything happened to him um, despite being shot at constantly. But yeah, if you give in to this, if you know there needs to be a you can't. It would take you out of the movie as well if someone got shot in the shoulder and then someone dialed 911 and then we had a scene in the hospital and then it was 12 weeks until they could go back and try and defeat the, uh, the evil big bad guy again. So yeah, I get where it comes from, but also, yeah, I think that it's, it's, I think it all comes down to laziness and creativity. And also probably, yeah, I think these things happen more and more and this goes across all of these. I think they happen more and more in modern cinema where there's just a drive to keep costs down, to get things through quickly, to make sure you don't need reshoots, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think it's unfortunately um, as many good things as there are with modern cinema, I think there's some there's some pretty shitty ones as well. So, interesting you said James Bond, because that's actually so skyfall. Hmm. This kind of thing is done right because the whole plot is that he's basically had to retire from an injury. Right. Because he gets shot. I think he get. I think he does get shot in the show. And they blow up his house. Um, I th- I think that's towards the end. But the film opens. He gets shot in the shoulder. Right. Um, and it impacts his like mental performance. It impacts it, and, and it, it's woven into the plot that he has this issue yeah that's done properly that's a way to kind of do it but i get like you know it would make commando very boring if he immediately died um because he would have immediately died at least jumping out of the plane if not before but yeah it's just it's just it it's a trope that is laughable to the point that you end up i think laughing at it and it turns whatever it is into a comedy but yeah it's a pain pain in the shoulder and those were our choices. Those were our choices. Those were our choices. Those were our choices. They those were, were, they our were choices. my choices. Actually, they were your choices. And they were my choices as well. Collectively, yeah. our choices. I like it. And we now come to the, the part of the podcast where uh, it's time for the top three of your three, Graham. Yes. What is, what, what is your final yeah. top three list? Where we, we really get on with the ranking. Um, yeah, this is going to be a really weird one to post on social media. Yeah, how do I how do I encapsulate people covering themselves in an entire apparently spare bed sheet after I've had sex and need to go to the bathroom in picture form, <laughs> in consumable and easy to understand picture form? <laughs> I would have said the poster to no strings attached, but apparently not. Um, <laughs> I'm going to put. Um, I think I'm going to go. My my. My criteria here are going to be the ones that annoy me. The like the one that annoys me the most is going to be number one, down to the one that annoys me the least, and they all annoy me a lot. But I think in third place we're going to go with the um, with the bedsheet situation. Yep. It is extremely annoying, but it's a fraction of a movie, and you look at it, you see it every time. But okay, if I if I have to live with it, I can. Second place is the time thing, and it, this does really, really annoy me. Like, as 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 we both spoke about, and I think it's because I think um, I think it's probably more geared towards who I am as a person, and <laughs> maybe it's just more about my own issues. But 
if anyone did that to me in real life, I'd have to shoot them in the shoulder. And then, yeah, first place is just the the un, not even it's not unnecessary exposition, lazy exposition that is typically done through really really shitty dialogue. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. Um, out of my three, oh, it's a, it is a tough one. I am also going to go from one I hate the most to ones I hate the least because that's the point of a top three list like this. I actually said the ones that annoy me the most. So ah, fair. I take it. it back. Yeah. Oh, I will. I will like, today. A, like like a goblin like a goblin. Memoria. <laughs> I was just about to fucking say that. Okay, I am going to go from yeah the, the ones that legitimately annoy me. So number three, I am going to go with henchmen taking on the hero one at a time because I do think that has become less. People are getting better at hiding it. Yeah. Um. Because I understand again, it's something that has to be done, but people are getting better at hiding it now. Um, so it doesn't jump out quite as often, but when it does, it's bad. Number two, I am going with uh, flesh wounds, and number one, just cause it, it, I am legitimately tired. It is acoustic covers and trailers. It is trailer core. I, re- I, I I I struggle with this Ian, because I like the but music. You don't, you you, but you like the song. You don't like the trailer. Well, no, because I don't watch the trailers. Exactly. <laughs> so. Hmm. To the point of the podcast. To the point of the pod. Our combined top three. Yes. What do you think is making it? Uh, over the top exposition, I have complained about that within the last couple of weeks, so that is going on there. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy. I, I'm more inclined for flesh wounds over trailer core, and then yeah, I I, I just struggle with trailer core because I think it produce. There, there's a byproduct here, which is balances out the your annoyance from the trailers themselves but i think a lot of those covers already exist yes but not necessarily in the guise of a movie soundtrack and we've discussed on many an occasion how much i love a movie soundtrack. i'll send send you an acoustic covers spotify playlist mate fine (laughs) all right i'll pretend it's a movie trailer for you Uh, um so what what would you put on instead of acoustic trailers then acoustic covers Uh, sorry that sounds like i'm trying to get you to make a movie trailer um (laughs) What would you have in our top three list? Um, I, well, I, I would go exposition. I'd go flesh wounds, and I'd go meeting up with absolute lack of appropriate organisation. Oh, I'm struggling to complain about that choice, to be fair, because it's really, it's really fucking annoying. <laughs> Let's meet up at seven. I'm, I really fucking. Don't like acoustic covers and trailers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, this is a difficult one to argue with you about, isn't it? Because you don't watch trailers, so you haven't had the same experience. We have different life experiences, which is what we makes do. life exciting and interesting. Yeah, well, it's uh, life is like a it's it, it's like it's like a fruit salad. <laughs> I don't That's a new one. Yeah, I didn't. I I was worried for you know copyright infringement for. Um, Forest Gump and Co. Really? That is the for- that is the copyright infringement we're worried about. <laughs> um, okay, okay, all right. I will, I will concede because it is really annoying, and it's really annoying. That's all I can really say. It is. It does bug me when I see that in a film. Yeah. So I will. I will. I will. I will. I will let you have it. And also, I mean, like, I would push acoustic covers and trailers more 
but I'm very aware that what would happen is we would argue for 10-15 minutes, it would get really aggressive, we'd start bringing up goblins again, and then you would just go, oh, hang on, it's not about fucking movies. The question is about movie tropes. And then I'd have to go, ah, you're kind of right there, aren't you? And then we'd just end up here anyway. Yeah, I like how you did uh, somewhat a trope in and of itself, which was summarising a long drawn out scene in a kind of montage. Yeah, I, I thought I did quite well. Nice, like your montage. So yeah, I'll, Looking forward I'll, to your Barbie Girl cover. Thanks. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, see how that goes. Um, okay, so the podcast nobody asked for is top three tropes we want to see gone from cinema. Number three, when people agree to meet at a time, but with none of the other relevant information to facilitate the meeting. Uh, number two, we have flesh wounds, specifically the fact that being shot in the shoulder is going to cause you some serious issues. And number one, over-the-top exposition. If you agree with our choice, if you have other movie tropes you want to throw into episode 101, you can find us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for. You can also find us on Patreon at the podcast nobody asked for, where you can become a friend of the pod and help us keep doing... Keep on podding, baby. Keep on podding. Um, if you want to send Ian some pictures of orcs on Twitter you can at nobody asked for pod with the number four you can do the same on Facebook at the same address we have a website the podcast nobody asked for.co.uk where you can find links to all the things we've spoken about today you can find links to past episodes you can find links to Patreon um, so yeah head there and do those things did you mention Patreon I think did you I did yes, mention you did. Patreon yeah because we kept on podding that's, we kept podding. We kept on podding, baby. We're podding onwards. <laughs> and if you're listening, to, uh, if you're listening, wherever you're listening to this, <laughs> if you're you listening can leave to reviews, this, if, if you're listening to this, help me, please. Um, and you can leave a review. Uh, please leave us one. And in the review, put any future episode ideas you may have, and we will try to do the next one, unless they're shit, in which case we'll put them into room one hundred and one. Nice. And that's that. Yeah. That was that was a weird one, Graham. That was a very, very weird one. It was. That, yeah. that, I believe, the duvet piece is going to be up there in the Hall of Fame with Seagull's mum's face and a lot of other random shit we've talked about. To be fair, though, easy merch. Let's buy some easy cheap merch. duvets, cut some holes in them. Boom. Sorted. Yeah. Odd duvet uh, sheets nobody asked for. Exactly. Um, Boom. I'm off to watch some, uh, watch some orcs. Nice. I'm going to go um, <laughs> scrub Lord of the Rings for goblins. <laughs> Well, actually, orc is from a translation of Old Nordic that means goblin. I don't know if it is, but that sounded true. It did, yeah. Cue Barbie Girl. Ugh, no one asked for this. Hiya, Barbie. Hi, Ken. You want to go for a ride? Sure, Ken. Jump in. Oh
laughing plastic It's fantastic You can brush my hair Undress me everywhere Imagination Life is your creation I'm a Bobby girl In the Bobby world Laughing plastic It's fantastic You can brush my hair Dress me everywhere Imagination Life is your creation The world would not be the same Life is your creation 